Hello, everybody. That's the next episode of Shift Time Podcast. Let me check the number of the episode. It's, uh, it's number eight. Uh, it's going to be just me today, and I'm recording with the video, but you're not going to see the video in the recording. It's only for those who are participating right now online. Um, as usually, it's going to take like 50 minutes, less than an hour, and the subject is how we can pay programmers less. So I published an article about that uh, on my blog in December last year. So it's about nine months ago. Um, it was quite popular at that time. So I got a lot of traffic. Um, it was on Hacker News, discussed on Reddit. So people really liked the subject. And it was a sarcastic post, actually. So I was... Uh, I, uh, I didn't... I didn't mean to be serious because the subject is really like sensitive and difficult to and, and, and difficult to be serious about um, because you know I'm also a programmer and I also sometimes get paid for writing code so I prefer to get more for my work not less but at the same time there is also always business reasons and the business always wants to pay less as programmers so we need to find some balance and usually in most cases businesses are not really behaving uh, honestly and fairly and uh, uh, ethically enough to you know in this in this question so that's why this the subject uh, the the blog article lists uh, one two three about a dozen of uh, tools and techniques and uh, methods of how a business not an honest business but uh, a business without proper business ethics uh, can actually pay us programmers less and, uh, and save some money. And they work. So if you look at the article, if you look at the comments below the article, you can see that there's so many people actually saying that they have that at their workplaces. So their businesses, their employers actually do what the article lists. And, and that's only said. But today I will try to, I will try to, uh, to make an attempt to uh, to look at this situation from the other side. So I'm now going to be speaking from the business side. And I will try to give some advice to you as a manager, if you are a manager. So this podcast is going to be directed to managers, not to programmers. I'll try to give some recommendations of how we can actually pay less, uh, but at the same time, do it the right way. So do it honestly and and fairly and and not to ruin the motivation of programmers is it possible i believe it is so let's go i'm gonna go through all the items quickly and then i will give my my advice so let's go probably you should see that you should keep your this blog post in front of you but if you don't have it i'll read it anyway so the first the first uh, all of them are sarcastic so now i'm gonna go through these jokes and then we'll turn them into serious discussions the first one says uh keep salary secret that's a really good advice for a business if you don't want your people, your programmers to, uh, to ask for raise or to even to start the discussions about the money, just, just keep that information secret. So ask them not to, uh, not to disclose to anybody, not to discuss in the office, and that will actually help because they will be, they will be kept in the dark and um, you will be able to pay them less. However, um, so what, what makes 
what what's the main i think the main problem with allowing people to discuss numbers discuss salaries is that they will become jealous so when i work in the company when i work in the team and i don't know how much my friend is getting and how much my programmer who is better than me or worse than me according to my uh, according to my judgment how much they are getting, and I don't know this information, it's way safer for me. I don't have the jealousy in me, so I don't feel bad about that. So that's what, that's what actually uh, is important here. So the business that you know, uh, keeps people out, out of these bad feelings, out of that jealousy, it helps people to stay longer with the business because if you don't know, you don't feel bad, so you feel like you're well paid. So you feel that the money you're getting every month is the good amount. This is, this is how much you deserve. And you assume that most people around you are getting the same number, even though it could be wrong. You know, there are so many situations where people are getting like twice as low as less as other programmers. And they don't know about that for, for, for months, for years. And then they find that out eventually and they get, and they just immediately quit because they get so disappointed. They realize that they were underpaid, underpaid. But if you keep them longer in the dark, it's not going to happen. So what I think is it's, it makes sense, but I would do it differently. I would try to, I'm always saying that it's, it's really important. It's really, it's necessary. It's a, it's a good thing to do is to let people know how much they're making and why not just how much they are making, but how much everybody in the team is making. So the right way and to, and that will save money, that will help save money actually. If you, if you not just tell them the numbers, but you disclose them the structure of why these numbers are there. Most companies cannot do that. Most teams cannot do that because they just don't have that structure. They just don't know. Uh, they just don't know what's, why these salaries are there. They just pay that much money because they want to keep that people in, in house. But if you, Really, if you as a manager really invest some time into creating that structure, into thinking about how we pay these people and why, and if you turn your payment um, mechanism into paying for results, not only for, for the time, that will help you a lot. So here, instead of keeping people in the dark, try to keep them, instead, try to give them that information, and that will help you to save money. Because if they see the structure, if they understand why the numbers are there, all of them will want to get more, obviously, but they will see on the paper how exactly to get more. So they will start working better and they will stay on smaller numbers for longer because they will understand that there's a, a, there's a reason behind that and they can improve. So when everything is secret, everything is dark, then I, if I'm quite stupid, I will assume that my salary is the biggest. If I'm smart enough, I will find out the salaries and I will find out that my number is not the best and I will do something. I will I'll quit, I will start the discussion, I'll, I'll shake the, the situation. If everything is open then and I know that my numbers are not good enough, but I know why, then I will try to improve it if I'm ambitious enough and I will solve that with the time. I will stay longer in order to solve that problem and get more money that I deserve according to the structure. So keeping numbers in secret is not really good. It's not the best approach. It's doable, but it's, I mean, it can do it, but the other way is better. 
The second point says give raises randomly. So don't tell them why you're giving bonuses, why you're paying them that amount and why you're changing the salaries. That's going to be like an unpredictable situation for them. They will, they're not going to know what's going to happen. They will be afraid and they will try to avoid any possible discussions about money because they may see that, you know, sometimes people get fired for that discussion. Sometimes people get some raises unpredictably for some, you know, really weird or strange or unknown reasons. We may say it's, it, again, it works. If you keep people in the dark and they don't know and they don't, you know, don't understand when and why the numbers go up or down, and it's okay. But it's very similar to the previous topic. So if you can, if you can make it predictable, if you can jump on the other side of this extreme and say that everything is predictable and we know exactly who and when and why is going to get a extra two hundred dollars a month or extra bonus or something like that then i think that people will try to get that if you're working with people who are ambitious enough so of course if you're working with people who are you know don't don't want anything they're just not uh, really motivated to improve their life situations um, of course, they will be just scared, and they don't want any, any. They don't want to. They don't want to grow, and that's why if you show them the path to grow, if you and if you uh, make that strategy clear, uh, if you demonstrate them how they can go from one thousand dollars a month to two thousand dollars a month, for example, then ambitious people will actually want to get there to that two thousand dollars, even if this two thousand dollars stays quite far away from them. Let's say you're going to say, you know, in order to achieve, you know, to double your salary, you have to, I don't know, for example, write uh, 200,000 lines of code. It's really, really, really weird number, but we can, we can use it for, you know, as a, as a, as a number. So if you give them that uh, prediction, if you explain them, this is going to be, this is the strategy, then they are going to stay with you longer because they want to achieve that number. So that's, I think, for, for people who are ambitious enough and motivated enough to grow, that's the right approach. Uh, number three on the list says uh, no conferences. So don't allow programmers to, um, to go to any public events because there's a, there's a risk that they may uh, meet some recruiters there and they can meet some... Uh, people from other companies and they will know that somewhere exists some other life with different salaries and they will come back to you and ask for more. So many companies are actually doing that. They're preventing their programmers from meeting uh, recruiters, from meeting potentially new employers. And that's how they, they're able to pay less because again, people are in the dark. They can stay longer without raising a question of what, you know, of why my salary is so low. Um, here I think that uh, I would say that this is true. This is definitely true that when somebody goes to, to the conference, uh, that person will definitely have a temptation to uh, try something else or to talk to somebody about how, how is it there, how much are you getting, how much are you paying. But this is similar to you know how you're if you're trying to keep your you know 
keep your wife loyal to you, you can just, you know, uh, say that you're not allowed to go, to go anywhere, just stay home. And, 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 and that will help us to save our family and to, to be, you know, together longer. It may work in some situations and some families, but in the long run, definitely it's not a healthy uh, method of keeping people together. The same here. If you, if you not allow programmers to go somewhere, they will eventually do that. And when they do it, it's going to be quite uh, damaging, quite, uh, it's going to be a real betrayal for you because they will know that you don't like that. They will know that you're trying to prevent that and they will do that and they will feel that they're traitors, that they are betraying the company. So it's going to be quite uh, aggressive and negative um, event for them and they're not going to like you because of that, of, of, of you, of, your, of the policy you gave to them, the policy of no contact. Instead, I would recommend to companies, to companies who want to grow and who want to pay uh, less to their programmers because the whole subject is how to pay less. So we're still thinking how to pay less. If you let people go there and if you, you, you will actually, uh, uh, you will actually provoke that contact and they will come back to you and they will tell you the stories about the market. They will tell you that people there are getting this and that salaries. So let them be open with you. Let me, let them be open with you. Let them come back and discuss with you the situation. So tell them that, hey, you're going to go to the conference tomorrow and then I would be interested for you guys to come back and we all sit together and discuss what is the situation on the market. How much these people are making, how much they are, uh, how much of their salaries, their benefits, their, their situation. And then with this information coming back to you, you will be able to use this information to improve the situation in your office. First of all, you will have the knowledge, you will know what's going on. And second, you will be able to react proactively. Not when they just quit and it's too late and, and, and then and, and they're somewhere else, somewhere else already. It will happen no matter what, like with the example with the wife. So if she wants to quit, she, she will quit. If, if, if the programmer wants to go somewhere, that programmer will go somewhere. But, if, but it's better to be informed before it happens. And when you are informed, you will be able to adjust your salaries, to adjust your payment structure before uh, you lose the momentum. So I would say that, that I would say to like trying your system and uh, trying to, to in, uh, in, uh, uh, trying to, to, to break the system by intention and see and, and learn the mistakes and learn the bugs and errors in the system and then fixing them is a way better approach than, than just closing their eyes and saying that and then pretending that there are no problems. So I would recommend to let people go to public events, let programmers be there and then ask them to bring back the information. So ask them to share that information with you. That will help you and them together to actually pay them the, 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 the reasonable money instead of, uh, this is really quite typical mistake for, um, for management is that when they want to keep people, when they want to uh, retain programmers and not lose the talents uh, out of the company, they're just throwing money into people and just buying them, uh, you know, because they have no other instruments they don't know how to do else so what else to do with the with the good programmer so to keep 
uh, that person in-house. That's because they're, they're also in the dark. So if you keep your program, if you try to block your people from the public market, if you try to, uh, to, to use the policy of no contact, then they will not come back to you and share the information with you. And you will not know what they want, what other companies are offering, and how actually you can keep that people without paying them more without just increasing their salaries all the time. You will learn some new instruments, which I will discuss later as well. I'll recommend something. Uh, the next point is uh, no work from home. Uh, it says that um, most, well, some companies and most companies are trying to make an office as a, as a, as a home where people feel that they belong there, they feel that they have to be there, so they, they don't want to, uh, to be trade at home, they don't want to, uh, you know, to be somewhere else, well, they don't want to, uh, uh, to change homes all, all the time, so they feel emotionally attached to one place, and if you allow them to work from home all the time, they, they don't feel that connection with the office anymore, that's what most, most managers are thinking, and this is true, actually. Because yes, when you're as a programmer sitting at home all the time and working five days a week just remotely, all you know about your company is just uh, just an email address or just uh, you know Git repository where you contribute. But that's all. You don't see people. You don't uh, you don't have lunch together. You don't have parties together. You don't drink beer the, uh, after work together. So there's no emotional connection between you you and and the, and the project. And it's true, you will, it will be way, way easier for such a programmer to switch to another company. What I would say here, this is how most people think. And now what I think is that uh, this is definitely true about the emotional connection. It's so important. But connecting people to an office space is not really what modern and professional uh, programmers uh, want to be connected to. You need to, as a manager, you need to create this emotional value for them in your project. But that has to be, uh, that has to be uh, something which is not an office space. They, for example, it could be uh, some, you know, for example, uh, let's say the project they contribute to uh, is going, let's say, just one example, I'll give you more in the end, but let's say uh, I'm a country, I'm, I'm a programmer and uh, <clears throat> the project is on the market and then you help me as an employee, as a manager, help me to, uh, to present that project in some event or in some conference. So I go there, I, I, present that, I, that idea, I present the brand, people talk to me. So I associate myself with the brand way more than I did that before. So now I'm not just a programmer, I'm, I feel that I'm part of the game, I'm part of this, this big brand. And I don't want to just switch it, I don't want to, to go to some other brand because, because of my emotional connection. Or for example, you make uh, some part of the project open source and I am one of the key contributors to this open source library. So again, I feel attached to it. I don't want to just, just, you know, just quit and go to another company where I will not be a contributor to some, to some public open source code. So I, I do, you do build, as a manager, you do build an emotional connection for me 
and uh, but you don't do it through the through the office space. You don't do it through this, uh, you know, the building and the title in the building, but through digital assets, digital values, which are way more important right now. So working from home is inevitable. People will work from home. They do work from home now, and you can't change that. You can stop that. But we need to give them something instead of uh, traditional office as a, for, the, for the emotional connection. The next point is called spy on them. So it's recommending to keep an eye on everything people are doing and reading their emails, watching there with the cameras uh, to prevent their contacts with, uh, with potential employers, with potential competitors. Some companies do that. And uh, I've, I've met many managers actually who told me that this is the right way. What else can we do? I mean, we don't want these employers to go to our key people to, to leave when we don't know that they're leaving and they just go somewhere together with our secrets, with our ideas and everything. So we better spy on them. We better, we better check what's going on. And, uh, and, and that will help us to prevent problems instead of fighting with them when they happen. So that's why all these cameras, that's why the email reading and all that stuff. Well, that again, it's reasonable. It is reasonable. Uh, but um, but uh, again, like I said before, keeping people on the, well, trying to prevent that contact will only work with quite stupid programmers, the slowest level of them. So if we're talking about really professional people, really talented people who are, you know, who can, who know what to do and how to build their, to build their careers, uh, you can't really prevent anything. They know how to cheat. They know how to fool you, how to, to steal and all that stuff. I mean, I don't want to use that word like stealing and cheating, but that's really what's going to happen. If you, if you tell them that our policy is no contacts with competitors, then any contact that will happen will be treated by the policy as a, as a cheating on the company. And they will do that. But they know how to hide that information. They know how to be, how to be uh, careful. And um, in the end, you will still lose them, but that will have, that's going to be a real surprise for you. So if you open, now I'm suggesting my way. So instead of spying on them, I would suggest uh, to let them share as much as they can and listen to what they're saying. Because the software market is quite, it's quite big right now and it's quite open. So people communicate, programmers share information. They know each other, they know salaries, they talk about money. There are so many public chats and forums and, and, and rooms for discussions. So you can't stop that. You can't block them from talking from other, with other people. You, as a manager, need to be part of that conversations. You need to be part of the discussions. You, instead of you know, uh, closing your eyes and pretending that, that all your programmers are so loyal to you and they will stay with you no matter how much money you pay them, uh, instead... Let them discuss their money questions. Let them share with you the information about how happy they are with the numbers they're getting and how much they can get somewhere else. That, that way you can actually be on the market. So don't isolate your, yourself, uh, your company, your team, your, you as a manager, don't isolate yourself trying to, you know, to, uh, to protect yourself from problems. Instead, open the door, let people share and, and deal with that. Because that, that's going to be a proactive, uh, you will be proactive and this, this proactive approach will help you to actually pay them less, 
we're all discussing now how to pay less. And that will help you to pay less because you will know more. You will know the market. They will bring this information back to you. They will complain about numbers. Some of them you will lose. Some of them will quit because of the numbers. But you will know why. You will know the situation. And you will be able to manage the situation. So don't spy on them. Let them be on the market and bring this information back to you. The next point, make a deal with competitors. Again, quite popular trick where companies are uh, getting into a deal with competitors and, and, and agreeing with them, especially when the market is local. They agree that uh, you don't recruit me, I don't rec you don't recruit my people, I don't recruit your people, and, that's, and, and we're going to survive like that. Um, it's close to the previous uh, point that uh, these companies are, if they make that deal, like in any monopolic uh, problem, they are ruining the market because the market is open and um, if, you, if, you, if you make such a deal, if you, uh, if you block uh, the process of uh, salaries and rates going up and down according to the market situation, no matter how many companies are in this um, conglomerate, uh, you will isolate yourself from the real situation on the market. And eventually, in the end, all of you guys are going to lose. So now, and I said that many times before, that now the market is becoming, instead of being local like it was before, and we had like, you know, uh, say Moscow programmer and uh, Indian programmer and then uh, San Francisco programmer, now we just have programmers just people who are on the market. And the market is worldwide right now. You can be in San Francisco and work for a contract in India and it could be the other way around. So you cannot really make a deal with all the possible competitors. So don't even try that. Don't even try to, to, don't even try to fight when you see that some company is hiring your people. Instead, learn why it's happening. Find out what actually this company is giving to, to programmers so they are going there learn from them and then implement the same technique or better technique inside i mean in your house in your home don't try to to stop that process because people go there and they will come back to you in, in a few months or in a few years so these people the programmers are now uh, changing companies quite frequently I've, I've heard the number that people are that the professional programmers stay in the company for uh for a year or something so that's a, an average number for how long uh, programmer will stay. So if that, that person leaves now, uh, exactly the same person will come back to you in a year. So it's, it's a, we're, we're working not with individuals anymore. We're working with the entire market. So learn how to do that. Not, don't try to isolate you from it. The second point, uh, the next point is uh, promote corporate values. So um, here I'm talking about brainwashing, basically. So many companies are um, actually yeah, telling programmers that uh, the mission is global, <clears throat> that we are developing something really big, and our project is so important for, the man for mankind. Uh, we're going to be billionaires in a few years and all that stuff. Well, it makes sense in some situations, but in, in the, the majority of companies, it's not going to be like that, so especially if we are talking about startups. And this brainwashing is really ap applicable to startups mostly because if the company is really big, they're not, they're not doing that because it's clear where the company is. So any employee of Oracle, for example, they know exactly where Oracle is. You don't need to tell them that we're going to be five times bigger uh, in a year. We're not going to be five times bigger and everybody knows that. 
when the company is small, if it's a startup, you can't actually promise your employees, your, your programmers that, hey guys, we're going to be 10 times bigger in a year and then you're all going to be millionaires. It may work, but it will work only with quite stupid programmers and people who are not really professional who are going to, you know, going to, going to believe that and most probably they're doing it for the first time. Because we all know that the majority of startups, they just fail. Majority. So mo almost all of them fail. Only, only few of them actually are able to jump from zero to, to, to one. Like, uh, like in the famous book of uh, Peter Thiel, uh, the title is Zero to One. So he's saying that this, this jump from zero, from point zero to point one, it's such an it's such a, uh, important and, and dramatic step. Uh, which so many companies cannot make. Uh, so if, they, if you're dealing, if you're talking to a programmer who has some experience, then uh, some experience of failures. So that programmer most probably, uh, you know, failed a number of times or many times. Uh, you're not going to get any trust from that, any credit for your, for your brainwashing. Uh, you can tell that stories, but only the people who are not professionals will stay with you. That's the problem. So instead, that's what I believe in. So instead, I would recommend to do quite the opposite. So tell them the truth, be honest with them, be realistic. So tell them, look, it's a startup, it's an experiment, most likely we're gonna fail, but if we fail, at least you're gonna get this, 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 and that. At least, for example, you will experiment with a you know, new platform or you're gonna play with this new technology. At least you're gonna make that amount of money. So give them the, uh, the negative scenario. Explain them that if, if everything fails, and in most cases it will fail, at least you're going to get out this, this, and that. That will really help um, everybody to, uh, to understand that you are uh, quite honest with them. And, uh, and this honesty will, will really help, uh, uh, will help, help better than the brainwashing. So... Here it's easy to just stop doing that. I don't think it really helps. Only if you're dealing with quite, you know, um, junior, let's not say stupid, but junior people who are uh, just starting their careers. They just don't know what's going to happen. They, they believe in these promises and you can apply in this brainwashing to them. If, if, you don't, if you do want to keep professional programmers and pay them, you know, really reasonable amount of money, then it's better to give them the truth and explain that this is the money I have, this is the money we can afford right now, and uh, uh, don't brainwash them, but instead give them something else. I'll explain later what, what I mean by something else. Um, another point, next one says, build a family. So create a corporate, corporate parties, some Friday beer, lunches, birthdays, bowling parties, all that. Um, and spend money on that, of course. So you will definitely invest into that. It's not free. So instead of giving them money in cash, you will spend that cash on the, on the beer or on the bowling part. I think, I think it's, there are many other ways how money can be spent better. Instead of you know paying them to programmers, you, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's really logical. It's really a good technique. Uh, to give, to invest some money, not directly into cash, into paychecks, but somehow else, uh, buy something else, which will give programmers the value, which they're not getting through paychecks. And that will be even sometimes, and in most cases, more appreciated than the cash you're paying them. 
But this is not what these uh, you know, team building events are about. I'll say later what it is about. I mean, what can you spend money for so that programmers are, uh, are interested to work, are motivated to work, even though their paychecks are lower than the competitor can pay. Um, next point, stress them. So stress them, make sure that always they are responsible for some failures. They are constantly feeling guilty uh, because they fail here. They introduce a bug there. Something is, is doesn't work. And they will feel like uh, that there is their fault. And that's why how can I ask for a raise? If I keep, you know, breaking the, uh, the product, if I, I'm not committing the good code, then I'm, I'm stressed and I'm not going to ask for, uh, for any raise. Uh, that may work. It will work, but uh, it's going to be distress. It's going to be distressful. So there's going to be a really a negative effect of this stress, and they eventually will be uh, uh, quite tired, and uh, they will quit. The best of them will quit for sure. But the stress is a good thing. I mean, you. But you need to do it differently. I would say. I would suggest to. Uh, uh, to stress them for achieving uh, better results. And uh, you need to give them uh, a performance, uh, a performance, how would I say it? Performance ladder, which they need to climb in order to achieve, you know, uh, in order to, uh, to, to be able to call themselves successful programmers or uh, uh, senior programmers or good programmers. So instead of giving them, uh, which most companies are doing, uh, unpredictable stress where they don't know why, they don't know whether it's my fault or not. They don't know what's next should I do in order to be, you know, at, at, at this stress. Instead, you just build them as, uh, build them, uh, uh, a hierarchy of levels of what needs to be done in order to get up and up and up. And they will be always stressed because their level is not, I mean, not the final one. So they're always somewhere in the middle. Some of them are going to be junior, some of them are going to be senior, but they will, every morning they will come to the office and think about how to get up, how to grow, how to improve. That will be the good stress and that will actually be a good excuse for you as a manager of why you're not paying them uh, as much as they want but it's going to be uh, reasonable for them and they will not just uh, uh, think that you're a bad manager and you're underpaying them. They will see that there's a clear structure uh, of uh, levels of performance, which they just need to, to go through in order to become uh, richer, in order to make more money. So that's a good stress. So instead of giving them the bad stress, which is based on unpredictability and uh, just chaos, we better give them the stress, which is based on uh, their objective results, which in most cases are not going to be perfect. There are not so many, you know, super senior developers who actually always know what they're doing. So it's always people are in the middle somewhere. So they, they always have something to learn, to, to improve, to be better. So give them that stress and they will be actually thankful for that. They will know that, okay, now I'm getting, uh, I don't know, $40 an hour. And I know that I'm, in order to get 50, I need this, this, and that. 
and I'm stressed about that. I want to get 50, so I will, I will work and I will study and I will move forward. Uh, the next thing on the list is uh, called make promises. So just keep promising them that uh, we're gonna raise your salary when we're gonna get the investment or we're gonna raise your salary when we sign a big contract with a big client or, or, or. So always, that's what most managers are doing. So they're always giving some um, future you know, events which uh, nobody know when they're gonna happen because they, they depend on so many factors. And, and, and you just say that I cannot pay you right now how much you want, but as soon as we get there, then you will, then you will get what you want. Um, it's really demotivating. I mean, it's, it will work for some time, definitely. But again, it's going to work with people who are doing it for the first time. So if you're dealing with junior programmers with no experience, they will, they will, they will uh, believe in those promises. They will stay with you for a while. They will be underpaid. You will save some money, but uh, if you really want to keep talented people and pay them less, then this strategy is not going to work, this, this technique. Instead, I would say that uh, instead of promising them something and being uh, and, and playing the role of a Santa Claus, of some, you know, a good Santa who is bringing uh, gifts on the Christmas, and they are waiting for you to bring that gifts and then you don't bring the gifts and then you become a bad Santa. So you're just, there's a good, a good guy. And then you're a bad guy. That's really, uh, you know, damaging. It's, it's really, it's shooting yourself in the, in the, uh, in the foot. Um, it's not helpful to you. Instead, instead of playing this role of a Santa who is, who is, you know, bringing gifts to them uh, together with the team, define, a schedule of achievements, a schedule of goals, which the team can, uh, can get through. And, and explain them the situation, explain them why and when and where the money is coming from. And then uh, get their sign on, get their like agreement about that, that, that schedule. Make sure that they understand uh, they understand why these numbers are there and why these dates are there. And they understand um, that it's not you who put that numbers there. It's the reality around the team who dictates the situation. And then they will just take you yourself. They will move you out of the picture. They will understand that you're just, you're just a, ma you're just a manager who is uh, responsible of, of keeping that schedule on paper, but you're not the reality. You are not the, uh, you're not the, uh, a manager of the entire world around the, the project. They will understand that the world around them is actually bringing money in. Most managers are not doing that. Most managers are trying to, uh, protect their teams from the world around and play the role of this uh, of, of Santa or of God who actually pays and who actually can increase the salary or decrease the salary or fire someone. It's really, it's so, it's really uh, pleasant for your ego to be like that. But in the long run, it's not really going to be productive because smart people will quite soon, they will leave and junior people will maybe stay until they understand that, uh, that you're actually, all you can do is make promises. You don't, you're not really a, a, re, a representer of reality. The reality is way bigger than you are. So 
So don't do that. Instead, try to give them the, uh, to show them the, the reality, what it is, explain the numbers, and then let them, let them know what's going on. Uh, the next point is, uh, we have a few more left. Next point is buy them some tennis tables and coffee machines and uh, playstations and something for the office, which, which will cost you less comparing to the amount of money they ask you to, to add to their salaries. And it's actually true. It may work and it works in many situations. People do value uh, these um, funny things in the office and these toys and they, they feel like they want to be in the office where there's a tennis table and when the competitor shows up and say, hey, I'm going to pay you more, but, and then they ask, do you have a tennis table in the office? And the answer is no, then they, they maybe will stay in your office. Again, it will work with juniors. It's not going to work with professional programmers who know how much the tennis table costs, they know how much the PlayStation costs, and they can calculate. And they know that, you know, that, that you're saying that they will see what's going on. They, they will understand that you're saving, uh, that you're spending a few hundred dollars to save a few thousand dollars. So it's not going to help. It will help with junior programmers. It will help temporarily. Um, but on the long run, on the long run, a tennis table is not something a company should invest money into if the company wants to pay programmers less. And any company wants that, and that's a perfect business reason to pay programmers less. But to achieve that, you need to invest money, but into different things, not into toys and, and PlayStations and tennis tables. There's something else. I'll explain later what it is. Uh, we have three more points left. Uh, this one says, uh, give them sound titles. So call them vice presidents or VP of technology or, or CTOs or whatever. And that will keep them in the team that will keep them attached to the team. It may work for some time, but again with juniors, people who were in different companies before, they know that this title, title can be given and taken away and it doesn't really mean anything. I've met many startups where there are like five people sitting in the, not in the garage, but in some small office rented somewhere and there are like five of them and they're all vice presidents and one of them is CEO and then there are four vice presidents. They're good titles, but they don't really mean anything. So you may attract really newbies and you know people who've never been in any company before, they may get attracted and they may like that title. But uh, if you're looking for something serious, then it's not gonna help. Instead, I would recommend to, uh, again, to give them something else. Give them something else, which I'll list in a few minutes. Um, two more points. One says, uh, help them survive. And that's kind of reasonable. So it, it says that uh, most programmers are not really professional in dealing with money, in buying insurance, in um, renting an apartment, in uh, planning a retirement, or doing something which is not related to writing code. So it's like, you know, life wisdom of how to manage money, how to deal with uh, life situations, et cetera, et cetera. And some companies, some employers do help people with that. And here I think that if you do it the right way, if you do it uh, professionally, and by professionally I mean that instead of uh, doing it personally for them, 
and just helping because you know better and, and they are like kids and you're like a parent. So you're kind of patronizing them and, uh, and doing it personally that it's not really professional because you're, you're creating an, a, a, a dependency from them on you personally. It's not really what will keep them comfortable. And they will, again, professional people will try to get away from this connection because they all understand, all professional, program, professional programmers, they understand that, uh, like I said, we change jobs every, every year. So what's the good point in, in, in being dependent on some, on some manager or some, some boss who's going to be changed in a year or so? So it only, it's, it's not going to be make me comfortable as a developer, and I will try to, uh, to get out of that, uh, of that relationship. Instead, what I've seen many companies are doing, some companies, not many, but some companies, uh, they give their programmers uh, a contact of professional lawyers or financial advisors or, uh, I don't know, gym trainers, people who, are, who can provide them the service, and these people are paid from the, from the company's budget. So let's say your company has a lawyer and that lawyer and the company pays that lawyer some money so that that lawyer can give uh, consulting, can give free advice to any programmer in the office. So that is, that is a good thing to have because I'm, I'm as a programmer, I know that uh, I don't, I'm not dependent on any, on any manager, on any boss. So I don't need to please anybody to get that service. All I need to do is here's the phone number. I make a call. I make an appointment, I go see that, that lawyer, and I don't pay anything for that. I will appreciate that more than even if you give me money for that lawyer, because you know, I don't need to find that lawyer, I, need, I don't need to go on the market, I don't need to, uh, to invest my time into that, and I know that that lawyer actually is helping many people from this company, and that lawyer knows the situation and will help me with Visa, for example, with my, I don't know, taxes, with my, uh, uh, what else? marriage status, whatever, anything. So giving that professional experts on the company's budget, on the company's payroll, will definitely be appreciated by programmers. I think so. Well, me as a programmer, I would definitely appreciate that. Okay, and the last point is, uh, it says, be a friend. So that's really, you know, powerful technique, and most managers are using that, and I... I think it's very wrong, but it works like that. So you just get, you just become a friend with a programmer. And if you're a friend, then it will be very difficult for that person to come back to you and say, hey, I'm not happy with my salary. Can we negotiate? Because you don't really negotiate with friends, right? You just trust friends. You just, you're just supposed to be helping friends and giving them whatever you have. That's what friendship is about. You're not supposed to, to discuss, negotiate, and argue and be not happy about you know, money with a friend. Again, it works initially. It will help you initially to pay less to that, pro to that programmer. But um, like any friendship, uh, that friendship will definitely end, uh, and end violently and, and, and ugly. So when the discussion will start, the person, the programmer will understand that uh, it was, that, 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 that there was underpayment situation and some money were not paid properly and there was a potential for more money and you as a friend didn't say that 
you as a friend kind of betrayed, but you didn't give enough information. So uh, it will be a huge disappointment. And uh, that person, the programmer will not be happy. You will not be happy. It's not good. Instead, what I would say here is not be a friend, but be a partner. That's a way more uh, healthy and uh, productive relationship. Be a partner. You and the manager, the person is a programmer. We are all together in the same project. We have the budget in the project. We have some sponsors in the project. We have, I have a salary as a manager, and the programmer has a salary as a manager. We're all in the same board, sort of. So let's discuss together the situation. Let's discuss how much we can take out of that project and how much we can give back to the project. Let's share this information. Let's discuss it. Let's be partners. Let's, let's open our cards and, and deal with the situation together. So instead of you know, being uh, as a, you know, uh, I'm here as a manager on one side of the fence and you're on the other side of the fence because you're the programmer. So we are kind of you know, against each other. Don't be against, be a partner, sit together and find a real enemy. The real enemy is the reality around the project. This is what the project is fighting with, the reality around the project, which includes unhappy users, um, you know, violent competitors, uh, difficult you know, government regulations, uh, you know, bankrupted uh, sponsors, whatever. All the possible troubles around us, we are fighting with them and we're together. And if we're together, we can discuss uh, the money situation, the money problem easily and openly without being friends, without you know, going to each other's home and having parties together. We're like professional partners trying to solve one problem together. And that problem is how can we, get, how can we be paid more? How can we get more money in, the, in, this, in this reality? And in most cases, Partners will understand the reality, will understand the situation, and will be ready to work for less money. And that's what we want, right, as a business, to pay them less. Okay, and now my summary. So how I would, I, how I would spend uh, the company budget uh, if, let's say, I have programmers and I want to pay them less, as less as possible, but at the same time keep them happy and keep them motivated. So I would spend some money on something else, on, on something aside from their salaries. So I'm giving them salaries, but I don't want to raise the salaries because there is no limit in raising salaries. You can always raise and raise and raise, and uh, you will never be able to stop and say, that's enough, I'm not going to raise any more. People want to get more and more and more. It's just normal. So instead of just raising salaries, I would invest money into different things. Here's, I just build a list here. Um, for example, I'm just giving examples. You can invent more, but let's say one example. Let's say uh, you have a part of your code which you're writing as a software business, so you have some pieces of the code which you can make open source and invest some money into making them popular. So if a group of people working on the, on the software and then a part of that software goes open source and not just goes open source and, and we forget where it is, but it goes open source, it gets some promotion, it, uh, it, it goes to you know, conferences and it goes to some, um, uh, to, we, we push it to the market. So we promote, we invest into it, the company invests into that. The open source product becomes popular. 
and it's really become it, it really becomes important for me as a programmer to work with with this company because I see that the company invests into open source and I'm part of that. So I become more visible in the market. My name is there, my name in that, in that open source code. And it is not just a piece of code which nobody knows about, but it is something valuable on the market, somebody, something which everybody sees. That's one example. Again, it will cost money, but that money will be more appreciated by programmers than just cash. Second one, let's say you can, as a company, uh, become a sponsor of some software conference. So that will demonstrate everybody in the office that you are serious about software development business in general. You're not just you know money-making machine, you're not just greedy entrepreneurs, but you're investing a few thousand dollars to become a sponsor of, of this uh, you know, Java event somewhere. And, and some programmers get free tickets because of that. And they go there and they see the logo of the company everywhere. They feel proud being in that company. Even though their salaries are not as high as they wanted, but they feel proud to be in that team because they, they see that their, their team is visible in the market. And they will uh, stay with you getting less you know, smaller paychecks, but for doing exactly the same job because they, they will see that uh, visibility on the market of their team. Uh, another example, you can uh, help uh, programmers if they're interested, and most of them are actually interested. You can help them uh, become, uh, for example, uh, uh, publishers of some articles somewhere, or uh, conference speakers. So some of them don't know how to do that. Uh, they don't have sometimes uh, the budget for that. They, don't, they cannot fly to the conference. They cannot uh, uh, you know, afford that kind of expenses. Uh, you as a company can sponsor that. You can help them to become more uh, visible in the market. It's really valuable for their, uh, for their uh, profiles because we, we, I discussed that many times that uh, being on the market, being visible is really one, what professional programmers want. And if the company helps them do that, if the company invests some extra money into that activity, then it will be way easy, well, way, way difficult, way more difficult for, for a programmer to just quit and go somewhere else where the paycheck is just 10% bigger. Because that, that place most probably will not do the things I'm, I'm, I'm just mentioning. So you're paying less, but investing some money into helping people you know, become more visible. Going to the conference, publishing in some magazine, uh, running some, you know, some blog. That's, that's free, of course. But some money, some investment, maybe some help will be required. They should be able to come to you and ask for that. And you should be able to afford that and give them that. Another point, another thing which I would do is um, invite experts for uh, doing regular review of the code we write, of the, of the software we develop. So let's say we're a team of programmers, we work together on some product and we are just doing the best we can. And then time to time, you as a manager, as a, as a, as a, <clears throat> as a person who pays us, uh, get somebody from the market, a really expensive person way more expensive than we are. You pay some really good rate for that person. And that person comes to us and looks and, and reviews what we are doing and gives us some advice about what's wrong, what's right. 
So that will be really, you know, important for us because that's a that's an expensive person. We would not be able to talk to that person anyhow without you paying for that, and we will learn a lot from that person. So that that time to time regular consulting, which will cost you some money, will be appreciated by us programmers way more than tennis tables and playstations and all the things we discussed before. So bring us the expertise. Hire people from the market, which are, spend some time for that, spend some money for that, find that people, uh, contract them, make sure that they are available. They will, they will come online, they will fly to our office, they will join us for a day. And then during that day, we'll, they, they will give us some consulting. That will be really important. I, we will be speaking about that, discussing that for a month after that, because that's something we, we don't have you know, every day. Or it could be not just a review, but maybe the, the technical uh, lecture in the office. So you pay some uh, expert in some technology and that, that, that person comes to you and, and give a lecture in the office, like local training for them. But training is less interesting. The experts, the expertise, the review is the most important thing, I, th I think. It's like an independent technical review. So people are, you just open the code to the person, you show everything, all the artifacts, the database, logs, everything, continuous integration setup, deployment scripts, all together. And that person reviews everything and says, I would do it better, I would improve that, I would fix that, I would use this technology here instead of that one. The entire team will really be happy about that. Um, Another one which I would do is um, you as a, as, a, as a manager, as a person with money, can, uh, can invest a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, I don't know, some small amount of money into uh, pet projects of your programmers. Every programmer has something on their site, some open source stuff, some web service, some small website, some, I don't know, online shop, something which a programmer runs as a hobby. And in most cases, that small projects, they need some money, something for the hosting, something for promotions, just really small amounts. You as a, as, a, as a money person can give that money, can become an investor into that small project. And that will be way more appreciated than just paychecks you're giving your programmers. Because you will not only bring money, you will also bring, uh, it will be the sign of respect for them that you review their pet project, you understand what they're doing, you, you like what they're doing, and you're ready to invest, I don't know, $100 every month, which will help that programmer to, to host that project on the proper platform and then pay for all the servers. And, uh, and, and the person, the programmer will be happy about that. That's way more important than just giving this $100 cash because the programmer will feel that there's a partner now on board and that partner is a, is a cash person. They have, the person has money. Then the person knows what, 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 uh, uh, how to invest money. So that's, that will seriously help the programmer to stay with you and get, le get smaller salary just because you became uh, an investor uh, in, uh, in their pet project. Uh, Another point, another thing which I would do is um, when we all working on well, the software is developed uh, in some uh, in some hardware uh, setup. In most cases now it's cloud servers or cloud equipment, some hardware here, hardware there. So I would say that it's important for us programmers to see that uh, the management is not really cheap on that configuration. 
So invest more in the proper uh, in the proper hardware, in the proper cloud configuration, in the proper software, which sometimes we need to buy. So don't be cheap on that. If we see that there's really serious equipment in front of us and our software is deployed there, it will be very interesting for us programmers to work with that uh, configuration. It's way more interesting than just developing something on, my, on, our, on our laptops and never see it in live or see it live on a really poor servers. It doesn't feel as, it doesn't make us happy. But when we see that the stuff we develop, the software we develop gets deployed to really professional platform, to really expensive platform, it, it makes us proud and it makes us interested to stay longer here, even though the money we're getting are not as big as the money we can get somewhere else. So instead of paying us, you can invest that money into the hardware we're working on and that will keep us motivated. That will keep us on board. Um, also what you can do is a company you can sponsor some uh, software events not sponsor like give money to the conference like I said before but organize them yourself or not organize but let programmers organize let's say you have a team of programmers and they are all working with Java and they can say hey guys I'm ready to to give you a budget of I don't know a thousand dollars a month for all of you but you promise me that you will spend that money on organizing a, a meetup, for example, for Java developers in, in our city, in our town. So that's, that money will be enough to cover all the expenses for the meetup and to bring like 50 developers from different companies from everywhere. And they will sit together for a few hours, discuss some Java questions. Maybe somebody will present and somebody will bring some, um, some presentations some slides, whatever, you know how meetups work. And, uh, for that $1,000, you will cover all the expenses and all the programmers will feel that the company is actually interested in the professional growth of the entire market. The, the company is interested in seeing them as organizers of such an event. They will, they will really don't want to, to quit just because of the paycheck, the number of the paycheck, because they will feel that the company uh, really uh, is... Uh, really is into uh, the development of the market. Uh, so that's what I would do. I mean, that's not the exhaustive list. I mean, you can, you can invent more, you can put more uh, things there, but this is way better than what uh, we discussed before. Way better than these uh, titles you give to programmers, way better than the uh, tennis tables and uh, Friday beer and uh, brainwashing and, uh, and everything else. So that would be professional if you do like I just explained. You, can, you will be able to invest some extra money and pay less. But that, that pay less will be uh, reasonable. Everybody will understand that you are, instead of you know, raising salaries, you're spending money somewhere else. You're not, you're not greedy. You're not just trying to, uh, you're not trying to, uh, uh, to cut the expenses for, for your own benefit, but you are ready to invest into, the, into good things. Which, which will definitely motivate programmers. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks for listening. It's time to close. Uh, try it out. Let me know how it works for you. Maybe you'll find something else. Just, just go on the blog post and um, post your ideas right there. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.